Are you working? What kind of work do you do? It's the Midweek Podcast. I'm Will Connerly. He's Charlie Bornoff, and we're excited to break down the third week of college baseball at the Division I level. The Midweek Podcast uh, brings you all you need to know about D1 baseball. We're going to recap weekend number three and then preview some series coming up in weekend number four, about a month into this thing, Charlie, we're getting in on it. And we've got a very, very special interview from a player who was a captain for a team last season uh, that is ranked fifth in the country right now, according to Division One Baseball, Adam Ciceri. Great chat with him. I hope Charlie people can stick around for that because you want to talk about the hottest team in the country. Well, it's the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, their 13-0 start. And, of course, they've got a great test today. We'll see what happens with that. Overall, though, Charlie, big-time stuff. How you doing? I'm doing good, Will. Absolutely pumped to get back. I added it once again this week. Big weekend to discuss. Uh, and like you said earlier, Big, big, big interview today with one of the hottest players in the country on one of the hottest teams in the country. Yeah, he's been fantastic this year for Wake Forest. We talk about that, of course. We're not going to give any more away. Uh, but just know, like you said, Charlie, he's one of the hottest players in the country right now. And really, really cool to hear, to, not just from him, but that whole team. I personally have uh, been high on them all year. I think they're yep. up to something special. So speaking of people and teams being special – Throughout this podcast, we each have three winners. We each have three losers. We each have a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starter in our weekend rotation from outstanding individuals from the past weekend, and then pick our series. So first, we're going to start with our three winners. Chuck, uh, I'm going to go first this time because I think you went first <laughs> last week. And I'm Correct. going with Wofford, Charlie. What a team they have been this year. David Wiley is a dog, and... Wofford in general, just dog is the term that comes to mind when you think about this team. They lost their first game of the year against Southern Illinois, now have won 10 consecutive games, matching the program's D1 record win streak that they set a year ago. If you go back to the preseason poll, well, this is expected. They're expected to win the conference championship for a third consecutive year this team looks really good right now in every single way. They play Winthrop and Michigan State this week before they host Cincinnati, a 10-1 team, 10 consecutive wins. They lead the nation in strikeout-to-walk ratio. Love this team, Charlie, because they don't only strike you out, command the zone, don't walk anybody. They're running on you all day long. 3.45 steals a game. They've stolen 38 bases in 11 games. That is preposterous. I don't understand that. Not to mention 120 strikeouts to 18 walks. Well, that's the best strikeout-to-walk ratio in the nation. Fourth most stolen bases per game in the nation and a 10-game win streak for Wofford they're right back to it they are a certified wagon Charlie and they are uh, my winner first winner from this past week yeah absolutely I totally agree I mean everything you just said that I would say that's a team playing some good baseball right now you know <laughs> haven't lost a series either like you said we used the first game of the year and they said fuck that shit we're not doing that anymore so they win 10 in a row Terriers are terrifying man don't sleep on them 
you you cannot sleep on them. And I know some people say, Will, pump the brakes. Look who they've played. Okay, they took a series from Southern Illinois. I check a box there. That's a good series win. Kent State, they do the same. And then they take a series from Sacred Heart as well this weekend and getting the brooms out 10 in a row. But the way that they've done it, when you talk about dominating Dominant. on the mound, dominating on the base paths, um, been pretty cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely dominant. Definitely one of those small schools that people need to talk about more. Did they get picked in our small school draft? I can't remember. Robert Fry picked him, I think, in the second round. Very Robert pick. But yeah, for my first winner, we're going to stay in the Carolinas. We're going to go with the team that I think we've talked about a time or two on here. We're going to go with Campbell. The Campbells are finally ranked. They're ranked 24 now with a record of 8-2. and They have series wins over Rutgers, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and also a very big-time uh, midweek win over ECU. The Campbell Campbells are hot. The bats have not took, taken a step back at all from last year, despite losing a guy like Zach Netta, who's a massive player. And also the arms. Ty Cummings has been one of the best closers, uh, not closers, excuse me, but just be- one of the best arms in general in baseball this year. I mean, he's automatic. He's one of those guys that you can call on any single time you want, he's going to get it done for you. That's a pretty good point right there. I mean, I, we saw Shock was tweeting about Campbell saying, you got to rank this team. And Absolutely. for them to get into the rankings, I think that that is – they're starting to get that national respect that I think that they've deserved for years now. For sure. And uh, they're a really good team. They, they've proved it this year. They're a fun team to watch in general. I mean, Charlie, if we just take it back not only to last year – but this year, I mean, they come out and dominate Rutgers. I think that yeah. should have given everybody what they needed to know. Uh, but then you do a series against the Ragin' Cajuns. I love what Campbell's done. Um, I I personally believe they're trying to get um, their schedule as difficult as possible. Sure. And in a similar way, you saw it last year with some big-time top 25 wins. They've already had it this year against East Carolina. But it's I go back to our conversation last week with Johnny Hernandez. It's to the point now where Power 5 teams don't want to play you. You're too yeah. good. I think that there's some teams in that area like Grand Canyon where teams are willing to go play Grand Canyon. I don't think teams are willing to play uh, Campbell because Grand Canyon's solid, but they're not Campbell. And I think no. that that's the interesting part about it. When you are not a power five team, you get so good that nobody wants to play you. And yeah. that's, I mean, uh, who wants to play Campbell? That's the I, thing. I don't. <laughs> you don't I don't either uh, I want to watch them though that'll Absolutely. be fun. that'll be fun they, they've got some fun stuff coming up I mean it doesn't stop for them you know Tulane this week Coastal next week I yeah. love how they challenge themselves on the midweek so hard and really just in the regular season because when they get to conference play you know the that's in the, that's in the history oh, books for, for sure. everybody else <laughs> in the big south yeah absolutely I think the thing you make great points about is the fact that um, making the, it's important for these schools like a Campbell or even a Grand Canyon, like you said there as well, or even a Louisiana for that matter. Like you got to schedule these big games because um, schools and the committees that are picking you for the playoffs when it comes down to it, they're not going to look at your schedule, your conference schedule as the really a big strength for you. So you need as many quad wins as once. And Campbell year in year has dropped the nuts on the table and said, like, come play us. We're here. We're, we're here. We're better. We're as good as a power five as anybody can be. And how about Halstead this year? What he's done oh, at the plate. I mean, 18 incredible. hits in 10 games already and like you said i mean ty cummings 
Mm, that's that's some stuff right there. So I love that pick, and, and, and I don't think you could talk about it if we don't talk about Big Cade on the mound striking out the world. I love I love that Campbell pick, and I know Campbell's been a winner a lot, uh, yeah. but this week is, I think, monumental for them, cracking that top 25. This I early, think, too. And, and I think that's long-awaited. I think it's overdue Absolutely. in many different respects, too. So that's pretty cool. My next guy, speaking of Johnny Hernandez, it's one of his pitchers who's just been outstanding. Just Bethune-Cookman in general, Charlie. Um, they're my second winner. Daniel Gaviera threw a complete game shutout last week to get the sweep over Purdue for win. Well, what did he do for you lately this week? An eight-inning, four-hit shutout again. This was in the rubber match to take the series for Bethune-Cookman over Longwood. How about his season number so far? Find a better pitcher than this thus far in the country when you look at these numbers right now three starts he has a 0.75 era in 24 innings through three starts that's being a bulldog not to mention his whip is about 0.5 and he has 15 strikeouts through those three starts hasn't walked a batter in those three starts either so he's been unbelievable and that's why he and Bethune Cookman is my second winner yeah, absolutely. BC's been awesome. He's top 30 in ERA right now, at sitting at 30 actually in the country. But I mean, honestly, I'm sure if he gets one more game, he's going to bump up that list quite a bit more. Um, BC's been really good. I mean, especially when you have arms like that, I mean, that's a game changer for your program, game in and game out. It's something you can hang your hat on and know that if you even if you put up maybe only one run on the board, that's probably W. I mean, and that's the crazy thing to me is like, you haven't walked a guy in three straight starts. That's insane. 24 innings. Like, I'm walking at least five guys an inning. Like yeah. that's just unbelievable yeah. to me that he's in the zone that much, but also has a 0.5 whip. Yeah. So you're not allowing stay in the zone, buddy. Yeah, he's good. not getting lucky. He's just yeah. doing it himself. He's doing even, it. Even 24 innings of no walks in the MLB is incredible. To, but for a college guy to be doing it is even crazier. I agree. I like that pick. Well, my second pick, we're going to stay in the state of Florida. We're going to go with FGCU. They're now 10 and two on mm. the year with a massive series win over FSU over the weekend. They will run you some numbers. Six guys hitting over 300. Three of those six are also hitting over 400, being led by Joe Kinder with a bat who's batting average, seeing a nice, cool, crisp 420 on the year. The team is hitting 399 on the year as a team. The Eagles are as hot as can be. And they're one of those teams that like small schools that we're giving them a lot of love today, obviously, because we've had Wofford, BC, Campbell, and now FGCU in our winner's bracket. And that's for good reason. There's good baseball everywhere, and they're doing a really good job of it. You're right. I mean, they're hot right now. I think they deserve a lot of respect because they're playing baseball at a high level. I mean, when you talk about getting noticed in this way, you talk about 10 wins. I mean, that's great. You talk about a series win. This is a thing that I feel like could get this team on the map, Charlie, don't you think? It's def- definitely these are one of, this is one of those series wins that like you talk to your recruits about you know like, yeah we beat the crap out of FSU over the weekend like that's something you hang your hat on for sure definitely gets people talk we're, I mean, hell we're part of the media I guess and we're talking to them right then right now so clearly it's doing its work it is doing its work and you you beat Florida State in a series I'm really intrigued though for today which is going to be history by the time people listen to this yeah. And tomorrow, uh, when you've got 10 and 2 FGCU taking on undefeated Troy yeah. uh, tonight, 
which is Tuesday night when we record. And then also tomorrow night um, at Troy, going to Troy, Alabama for two games on a midweek. Those are two of the most slept on teams right now in the country, Troy and FGCU. So that'll be pretty cool to see. Uh, But yeah, FGCU, you talk about that. They're 8-0 now at home (laughs) this year. Not to mention they take a series win from Florida State at Florida State. So I love that pick. I love that pick, especially because Florida State, we talk about how highly respected we've been for them and Link Jared and how he's got that team in the top 25 after a couple weeks. Well, look what happens there. A series loss. So the really, really impressive for FGCU. I'm excited to kind of follow that team now and see how they can't build momentum moving forward. And speaking of momentum, how about the momentum that my third winner has, Charlie? Coastal Carolina and what they've done, uh, particularly uh, to baseballs this past weekend. I mean, really, really impressive uh, what they've been able to do in in every single way. I mean, you look at this team this year, they're seven and four, but they're my winner because they got the brooms out in Conway, South Carolina against the team that was picked to win the A-10 in Davidson. So Coastal Carolina is my third winner they swept the a10 favorites in davidson they dominated davidson on the saturday game they scored 26 runs they had 26 hits in the game so you don't only get the sweep you beat the breaks off davidson on the saturday game when you can get 26 hits in a game that's amazing score 26 runs even better but the biggest thing to me charlie they had 11 doubles in the game I don't know if 11 (laughs) – I don't know. That's by far the most impressive stat I've maybe seen from a team all season long in a particular game, 11 doubles. I mean, that – that's history books right there. Plus, is. 14 different players had a hit for Coastal in the game. And again, you, you're not doing it against a slot. You're doing it against a Davidson team that's probably going to win the A-10. So kudos to Coastal Carolina. Uh, they got a great quality win. And of course, uh, right now, uh, they're going to be they're battling against uh, Wake Forest. So that's, uh, that's interesting for them. Wake Forest, a team that has not lost a game yet. And Wake is winning three to nothing in the bottom of the first of course live updates but we can't really say much else uh, our boy Adam Ciceri did just score a run so it is three nothing but again live updates don't matter because you'll be listening to this and you'll already know the result of that game but either way Coastal's efforts over the weekend with a sweep over Davidson my third winner yeah that's a good one I mean one of the hottest teams in the country right now that's but then that's a, just a really big series win like you said especially like 26 hits, like you said, is preposterous on its own, but converting the all six, 26 of those hits into runs is even more ridiculous. Like that's just, I'm sure uh, the pitchers are ready to get out of there after that, man. That's just a, that's a beat down if there ever was one. Yeah. And then you're just leaving stuff over the plate. 11 doubles. That means you're just, they're squaring, they're squaring all their hits up. Yeah, I'm sure know? it's even you, if you're throw, pitching them out, I'm sure they're still hitting it out, you know? Yeah, no matter where you, it's, in fact, the ball's coming towards that means it's going back the other way. No, they had guest pitch on. <laughs> they yeah, had they, for real. <laughs> they had the sliders down all though. They're playing on rookie. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, my third winner is a team that you and I are both like fairly low on to start the year, and that's the Louisville Cardinals. Mm. They're now ten and one on the year. They are looking better than we thought they ever did. Especially, we knew they were going to hit. Like they're hitting three twenty nine as a team on the year, five forty four slug with a four twenty two. Uh, on base percentage, but the thing that's really surprising, Will, to me, because I was very skeptical about arms on this team and the talent and depth that they could have with it. So far, they've shut me up. They're hitting. They have now an ERA on a team of 288. 
which is very, very good for any team. They have a really, a really good weekend this year with being TCU, uh, Michigan, and AM all in the Shriners Classic over the weekend. Um, Cardinals are rolling, and it's big because you need these early wins, especially in the ACC, because when it comes down to league play, like it's just it gets tougher and tougher, man. Like We all know this for a fact. Like, ACC has what? What was it? Uh, eight or seven teams in the top 25? Yes, I think seven maybe now. I think Miami dropped out, but yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. still, it's, it's unbelievable. It's tough. it's tough play no matter where you look, man. So you need these early wins, especially in like the, especially against this weekend, like Michigan's a very solid team. TCU, we know is fantastic. Getting one over them was very big. A&M, even though they're struggles, they're still a very talented team that you take seriously and getting a very dominant 14 to five win in that game shows you how good the Cardinals are right now. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm huge. I'm huge on this, on this statement that Louisville's had uh, to really, come out and put a great performance on to start the year. Like you said, 10 and one, they've ripped off five consecutive wins. And when you get into ACC play, this isn't a team you can forget about. It really isn't beating TCU, beating Michigan, 10, nothing beating a and M doing all the work they need to down in Houston to get respect. So that's going to be, it's going to be interesting, and I'm sure that Louisville, I mean, they're not going to lose probably a series coming up when they play Dayton. So no. you know that they're going to continue uh, to boost up that record before they have ACC opener against uh, Georgia Tech, which should be a fun one. But Absolutely. Uh, overall, I mean, Louisville does a lot of really good things. They've been a quality program for a really, really, really long time. And uh, Jack Payton is really setting the tone Ballin. for them. I mean, 19 hits for him already in 11 games, and he's hitting 463. You know I'm a big Christian Napchek guy. Oh, yeah. He's doing a lot of really good things at the plate. But Jack Payton's overall just setting the tone for this team at such a high level. And I think he's kind of a guy that I don't think everyone knew he's a great player. I don't think anyone expected him to come out and have a near 1500 OPS through the first few weeks. So that has been huge for this team um, to help them to have the start that they're having. Absolutely. No question about it. And then Ryan Hawks. Charlie, I think he is one of the least talked about arms in the nation uh, that needs to be talked about more. I think he really, truly is one of the best starting pitchers in the ACC. I know we have Rhett Louder, and he might be one of the best pitchers in the country, but don't sleep on Ryan Hawks. Ryan Hawks, 19 and two-thirds thrown this year through three starts, and uh, he has a .46 ERA. (laughs) So That plays. And a sub one with all their starters, really, um, when you look at what they've been able to do, uh, Carson Leggett has a sub one whip. Greg Ferrone has a sub one. Whip. All their starters sub one whips right now. Yeah. So they're they're just not allowing much. And like you said, their their staff is just unbelievable. So I love that Louisville pick. Um, do you want me to go first for losers? Yeah, you can hit it. All right, now we're gonna get a little sad on the pod, folks. My first loser. They're pretty much a loser of the year last year and the year prior to this, and nothing's really changed. And that's the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Now, 0-11 on the year. The team's hitting 251 as a team. Um, in those 11 games, there's only six homers. ERA of a 6.59. Well, that's not a recipe for success. And in the, this year, they've had some – listen, there's like some losses where you understand. Like losing to uh, UC Santa Barbara and Oregon State, understandable. Those are just really good, talented teams, right? But to lose to New Mexico and then get swept um, by Saint, by SLU, which – and then also lose to Milwaukee after that. Like, these are just bad losses that are bad losses. A, a Power 5 program that used to have 
guys that were absolute weapons like Max Meyer, who's down with the Marlins right now. This is a team that just kind of looked really terrible throughout the year, and I don't really see it turning around anytime soon, especially the closer to get the conference play. I mean, coming up, they have they could maybe win state against Northern Illinois, and they have South Dakota State also on this midweek. But they got a good team in West Virginia coming up, and they got Gonzaga, followed by Houston, followed by Illinois State. Like they've got some good teams they're coming up to play against. And I mean, it's gonna be hard to get to get it to turn around when you have that going on. Yeah, it's been a struggle for them. My first loser is Rhett Rosevere. Uh Rosevere. He plays for Southeastern Louisiana. And last year, he ended the year getting hit by a pitch in seven consecutive games to end the year. <laughs> He got hit by 37 pitches last year. That's insane. Which tied the NCAA Division One record. Why, why, Will, why are you talking about last year? You're talking about your losers from this past week. Well, he's continuing to get hit by balls. And it's it's just, I don't know, I know how to understand this, but he's been hit by 11 pitches already this year in 12 games. And you guessed it. Yep. He got hit by a pitch again this weekend. So uh, <laughs> for taking a beating, I mean, 11 hit by pitches in 12 games. I mean, I don't know if that's a goal. Somebody has in mind, but he is on pace to just absolutely shatter the record all time D one that he tied last year, getting hit by 37 pitches. So great to get on base. I love it. But he's got bruises, bruises all over his body. So kudos to him. But also that's a loser for me just because you you got purple all over your body, I'm sure. Yeah, he must just be staying right over uh, home plate with that many hits already. Like that's In 11 and 12 games is preposterous. I mean, listen, stat sheet loves it. The body does not love it. And speaking of getting beat up, my second loser of this week is Maryland. They've kind of been a loser all season. They went 0-3. They fall out of the top 25 this following weekend. They're 4-7 on the year. Team's sitting... 257 on the year as a team with an ERA of a 6.53. Similar numbers to Minnesota. Will, we just know that's not going to work out. I guess the small caveat with um, Maryland really is like it's they've like one of those lot series losses was to Ole Miss. But even when you lose to Ole Miss and then a Vanderbilt like that, you got to really turn things around. And there is light at the end of this tunnel, Will, because their next uh, main series coming up, these are all the teams are playing midweek this week today against UMBC. Hopefully it doesn't turn out for them like it did with Virginia a couple years back in the college basketball tournament for a 16 over a one around that time. Anyways, followed by Maine, Delaware, and then you Albany and George Washington. And then the first real opponent they play is March 24th against central Florida. So there's plenty of time for the Terps to turn it around, but I mean, they just look not good at all so far. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, my next loser, Charlie is Fordham. Uh, they went 16 and 36 last year. So they, they won about 30, 30% of their games a season ago, 16 and 36, not great, but again, they challenged themselves in the non-con last year. Uh, yeah. They opened the year against A&M. They played Virginia tech. They played Florida Atlantic similar story this year. They've played quality opponents. They played Dallas Baptist. They've played old dominion they've played north florida but they haven't won a game yet they're 0 and 10 on the year and i know they're playing a tough schedule especially for fordham when you look at the competition level that they're going up against and maybe that's a tactic to help them have success in a 10 play but uh going 0 and 10 and now losing 14 consecutive games as a program dating back to last year uh that's my second loser but again they have played tough competition so it's kind of hard to see you know when you go up against dbu but they get 
absolutely abolished in some of these games. You know, DBU yeah. beats them 13 to one. Old Dominion beats them 19 to one. So they've gotten crushed. And then they've also had some heartbreakers, like some extra inning losses this past weekend to North Florida and losing by one run to them twice. So it's tough that they haven't picked up a win yet. That's why they're my next loser here on our list. F on this F F grade for winning, but A for effort. We can give them that at least, you know? Yeah. Okay. My third and final loser. I'm kind of losing this too, because this just hurts me from small schools and our uh, picks from last week as well. And that third one is San Diego. My Toreros are winless in their last five. And in those last five includes a sweep against Oregon where they got swept and Eugene, which is like, you know, you're going to get swept by a team. It's far less embarrassing when it's a good program like Oregon than it is other ones. But this is a big opportunity for them to, you know, get some really quality wins out there on top of what they already have going on. And they did not capitalize. But the really the worst thing I want to highlight is in those five games, the offense has only produced a measly 12 runs, which is simply just not going to – that's not winning baseball. Yeah, they've struggled. They've struggled yeah. mightily. And um, I wonder how they can respond now when you look yeah. at that, especially for your sake. You hope they can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I think overall, they will. Overall, a skid right now. Just because you're a loser this week doesn't mean you can't be a winner next week. So, Life comes at you fast. Yeah, it does. And for my the last loser, it's just the wake sleepers. I'm telling you, this team's nasty. And so yeah. anybody sleeping on Rake Forest, uh, that's a loser for me because I think you could arguably say they have the best offense and best pitching in the country. You know, yeah. both both sides of the ball. I know they play in a small ballpark. Their offensive numbers go crazy. And, yeah, you can argue that they haven't necessarily played great competition yet, but they've dominated in every stretch of the imagination. And uh, I'm going to continue to talk about them on this show. Yeah, don't get – hey, wake up, people. See what I did there. Yeah, wake up, go to sleep. So that is it. Um, Now we move on to our weekend rotation where we each select three outstanding individuals from this past week. Um, And I think that it's going to be me starting out on this one, Charlie. My Friday guy is a guy. We've talked about guys from this team before who have put up unbelievable numbers like Jake Tyser, who is just still mashing baseballs left and right. I'm talking about his teammate now, Hunter Fitzgerald. He's a transfer from Florida Southwestern State College, uh, just an absolute beast. And man, oh man, he has just done some great things this year for yeah. Old Dominion. But this past week, he went 10 for 18 for the week with five home runs, a double, and wait for it, 13 RBI plus 11 runs, 26 total bases, two walks. One sack fly, he did everything. ODU is an absolute wagon. You could have had them as a winner in this game. They're 11-1, and one, have won 11 in a row. I know they're playing right now, but Hunter Fitzgerald is a guy you cannot sleep on. He's been one of the best hitters in the country. Same with Tyser. They've got two mashers in that lineup. ODU is an absolute certified wagon. They hit a ton of home runs, and I love what he said when you look at his bio online. He said they asked him, why ODU? You know, coming from Florida Southwestern State College, he said they hit a lot of homers. And that's what he's <laughs> been able to do, five of them uh, in the past week. So uh, absolute beast mode for him. Absolutely. That's a hell of a weekend. My first one is going to go to Alberto Rios to Stanford. Seven of 13, two home runs, 12 RBIs on the weekend. Granted, 
of the, all of that on Sunday, five for seven, two home runs and 11 RBIs all in one game against Cal State Bakersfield on the year. He's hitting 410, two homers and a 641 slug and a 500 on base percentage. I mean, hot bad on one of the hottest teams in the country it just seems to make a whole lot of sense. He's been a beast. I mean, Stanford's a team that's going to continue uh, to just go crazy this year, Charlie. And Absolutely. overall, Alberto Rios is just that those are some staggering numbers looking like Alex Rios out there. He really is. And when you look at the production from his position, you know, that was uh, somewhat of a question mark, you know, how would uh, this team, you know, operate at the catcher position with lost production at that position from a season ago? Well, what is he able to do? He's a part of that PAC 12 championship team from a season ago. And ultimately, I mean, 11 RBI in a game. Big time. Big time. That's unheard of, really. Yeah. Uh, when you it's... look at those numbers, I mean, he had 11 runs batted in. CSU Bakersfield, it doesn't matter who you're playing. 11 yeah. runs driven in. That's and that's he... two weeks. That's two weeks worth of RBIs, honestly, yeah. for most guys. No, like, it is. Like you said, Stanford, though, um, good teams don't rebuild, they reload. And that's what they've done. And Rios is is what a weekend for him. For my second winner, it's uh, Blaine Traxel. He threw his second consecutive complete game this past <laughs> weekend. The second complete game of the year, back-to-back nine-inning complete games on the road against quality opponents. He's the only pitcher in the NCAA to have two complete games on the year, and he's done it. And back-to-back weeks, I mean, this guy is an arm to watch out for. Um, Really, he comes at you in a unique, you know, three-quarters, almost sidewinding action. But he he is an absolute beast. I think that he needs some love uh, from West Virginia's folks. And overall, I think I think it's a great opportunity as my second guy in my weekend rotation, my Saturday starter, uh, to be able to get a little bit of respect. He played at Cal State Northridge uh, for four seasons. He, he got multiple all-Big West selections. Then he transfers over for his fifth year of college to West Virginia, and he's just been nails for this team. Yeah. Back-to-back nine-inning complete games at Arizona and then at VCU this past weekend when he struck out 10 hitters, only walked one. So that is my guy I'm picking. I mean, he's gone up against three quality opponents this year, Georgia Southern, Arizona, and VCU. Back-to-back-to-back, all on the road, but he's done great. And he's got a 2.35 ERA and has already picked up two wins again in two complete games, uh, back-to-back wins for him. And that is my pick for my Saturday guy. That's a great pick. It's always nice to see these small school guys when they transfer. Cause they're obviously, I love seeing guys bet on themselves big. And when it works out, it's always fun to see. And clearly Traxel has been doing that as he's shown, obviously. All right. We're going to go to the state of Kansas. We're talking about a country, Ireland, not the actual country. We're talking about Sam Ireland of Kansas. Over the weekend, Will, on Saturday, nine innings pitched, four hits, no runs, one walk, and five Ks with the sole win on for Kansas this uh, weekend. On top of that, the game prior to that, so basically in the last two games, he's gone. Only He's given up one run in, what is that, 13 innings. One run, 13 innings, and striking out nine. Uh, Ireland's been one of the most slept-on pitchers so far this year on the season, Will. 19 and two-thirds innings pitched and three starts. 1.83 ERA, three walks, and 16 Ks on the season. I mean, when you have 19 and two-thirds and only three walks, I mean, usually guys at this time of the year are figuring out some of their mechanics still, you know, getting the kinks loose, getting 
the rust off, but clearly he had no rust. This dude's a well-oiled machine. That's awesome stuff. And speaking of rust, uh, my third guy, my rotation, Charlie from Kentucky. This is a guy that you would think would have rust because he's in his sixth year of college baseball right now. He played four years at Eastern Kentucky and then transferred over to Kentucky last year through 29 innings, had a .93 ERA. What has he done this season? 11 innings. And he hasn't allowed a run yet in three appearances out of the bullpen. And last year, just an unbelievable start for him. Appeared in nine games, but then he had Tommy John surgery on his elbow. So that's why he was just 3-0 and with a .93 ERA in only 29 innings. Because if you talk about that, you would say, oh, why didn't he pitch more? But had unbelievable numbers from what he did a season ago. And then this year, 11 innings, no runs allowed. And most recently against Indiana State out of the bullpen, he threw five shutout innings and only allowed one hit. So far this year, 11 innings, no runs allowed, has one save and has only allowed one hit on the year along with 14 strikeouts and one walk. So Darren Williams, an absolute weapon out of the bullpen. You wonder if he is going to, the grad student now in his sixth year of college baseball works his way back into the rotation because he did have a couple of starts a season ago, but he's absolutely has shoved this year. I talk about whip, not only 14 to one strikeout to walk a 0.18 whip. I mean, on the year, no, Nobody's got a hit off him except one batter in the entire country. So uh, to be able to do that, that's been so impressive. Only one hit allowed in 11 innings. I mean, and no runs. He's a dog. That is a dog. That's dog stuff right there. I'm going to keep it going with another arm. We're going to down south of Texas. I'm, t- I'm taking Colin Purcell out of Texas A&M Corpus Christi. What he, what he do for the Islanders this weekend? Well, well I'm going to tell you. Nine innings pitched, one hit, no runs, one walk, eight Ks, and a win over Lindenwood. On the year, 20 innings pitched, 3-6 ERA, three walks, 16 strikeouts. So basically, more or less, close to the same as our boy Sam Ireland here, but not as quite good. But it, he did outpitch him this weekend somehow. It's, it says a lot when you can outpitch a guy who also went full game with the W and no runs. I mean, one hit. He was a hit away from a no-hitter. That is – that's something special. It really is uh, when you talk about that. That's pretty cool. My uh, honorable mention, Charlie, if I could, Go ahead, is uh, Shane Lewis. I think he needs some love because Troy Trojans are undefeated. They're 11-0. and 0. He had 19 total bases this past week, seven hits, 13 RBI, and Troy sweep over USC Upstate over the past weekend. He went eight for 13 um, in the weekend. Um, 14 RBIs total on the week, 13 over the weekend and four home runs. I mean, he had an eight RBI game as well, trying to match what Alberto Rios did for Stanford. I mean, 26 RBIs on the year two. Shane Lewis leads the nation and runs driven in for undefeated Troy. So just had to mention that as an honorable mention guy um, on our weekend rotation as we move along now to uh, select some of our picks for the upcoming weekend. Uh, some some intriguing series to watch, Charlie. Absolutely. Uh, we also, hey, props to us, Pat, I back. We both went over 500 last weekend. We both went three and two. Yes, we did. And so overall on the year, um, that improves me to five 
Five and five, and then five, I'm four and six. And four and six for you. Okay, so we'll take it so far through uh, 10 game selections. We have five yeah. more uh, coming your way now for series to pick, series that we think you guys should watch. So first series we're picking is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, fifth-ranked team of the country. They take on Duke to open up some conference action. Um, I'll go first on this one, then we can rotate on that. I'm picking Wake Forest for this. Uh, pretty simple. Yeah, I'm taking Wake Forest too. I'm kind of I'm adopting the same mindset as I did with Tennessee last year where um, I'm not going to bet against them until they actually lose. So I'm going to keep picking them until they lose. And even then, I'm not pay- I'm still probably yeah. picking them if they lose. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so now we've got Virginia and UNC. This is probably the most uh, competitive series, I think, that I'd will agree. be happening in all of college baseball this weekend. Number 17 versus number 14, Virginia 17, UNC 14, two top 25 teams dueling it out. Um, who do you got in this one, Charlie? Virginia, who they've been good this year? They have, and um, some of their bats have been incredible. Like Kyle Teal might be the best catcher in all of college right now. I'm going to go with Virginia, and mainly because um, I think UNC's got some fantastic bats, like Vance Honeycutt, Mac Horvath, Alberto Asuna's. Obviously, they're all very potent bats and always something you got to be worried about. But the real issue is UNC's bullpen has not been great so far this year, and I think that could really become a big-time factor, especially when you have a Virginia lineup that's steadily one through nine. So I'm taking Virginia. I'm going to be taking UNC. They're hot right now. They've won five consecutive games. They're nine and three. And I don't think Virginia, I mean, if Virginia gets a sweep in this or wins the series, crazy. they would be crazy because Virginia undefeated. If they could stay undefeated, that's awesome. But UNC also has a, not an 11 and 0, but UNC's won five consecutive games. They're nine and three. They're ranked 17th in the country as they take on the 14th ranked team of the country in, or sorry, flip that around but either way you talk about a top 25 battle i mean it should be fun to see when these these two teams battle against each other with virginia ranked 17th in the nation they're 11 and 0 undefeated um and then you've got unc in this one who is a very very solid team so i'm really looking forward to seeing this obviously virginia has something to prove it feels yeah. like traveling to chapel hill okay is what's this 11 and 0 start because just like wake force they haven't really played anybody just yet uh, yeah. to note so number 17 virginia at number 14 unc i'm picking unc i think unc's great team in chapel hill they're nine and two one nine and three one five in a row and they're nine and two at home so i'm gonna pick unc to get the job done at home i think they want to bounce back and get some big wins and they did that against vcu recently then stony broke they got the sweep this past weekend and i think that when you look at the series you UNC, they're going to, I think they're going to just play well in Chapel Hill because of the fact that they've been good there this year. And I think that they're going to showcase how good they are uh, this weekend for sure. Should be a fun one. This is probably the one I'm most excited to watch. Yeah, same here. I mean, because Virginia has dogs overall. Like yeah. you mentioned, Teal, you mentioned what they could do. Big Jake can hit the ball yeah. really out of the park every single way. I'm um, in advance for UNC. Um, really fun. I mean, we got two top 25 teams, two teams inside the top 17 battling each other. Uh, you got to love it. ACC action. We're all over it. So um, we, we, we go, you got Virginia. I got UNC. Now we're going to go um, Liberty and ECU um, in this one. Liberty, a really good team, Charlie, uh, ECU. They've been unbelievable. Who do you got? Yeah. I'm taking ECU. I'm taking they, – they, I think they are the more talented team. I think they're the better team. I don't think there's much debate there. 
And like Jacob Jenkins Coward's one of the best bats in the league. And I think it's going to continue to show. Yeah, I think ECU's on a mission this year. They want to get that hump off their back. They want to get to Omaha. They're seven and three to start the year. Um, they lost the game against Long Beach State um, over the past week, and I think that they kind of want to. F- obviously, they still were able to beat the brakes off Indiana and Georgetown, um, and, and overall seven and three this year. And I think that they're going to get the job done in Greenville, North Carolina, hosting Liberty. But Liberty, obviously, it, it, the Flames are a really good team too. But and they they are overall they've just been a great program. Um, but I'm picking ECU as well. Liberty's off to a six and five start. Obviously, when you look at their losses, they got swept to start the year by Southern Miss. So I think that it's going to be competitive, but I do think that ECU is going to get the victory as well in this series. There we go. Next series that we've got, we're picking Iowa and Texas Tech. Number 23, Iowa now newly into the top 25, traveling to Texas Tech. Who do you got? I'm taking Texas Tech, and I was very impressed with their wins against Gonzaga in the beginning of the year. They have are now, what, 11-2 on the year. Their only two losses coming this weekend, which obviously you can take that if you want, but they were I think they're decent losses. Like, they're close. I mean, it took 16 innings for A&M to beat them uh, on Sunday, and they only lost her ice by one run, and they did beat Michigan still, so they still beat a quality opponent. Like, I just – I like this Tech squad. I was low in the beginning of the year, but I've liked what they're doing so far. I love it. I love that. I'm going to go actually with Iowa. Um, Iowa's shown some good things this year. They're nine and one. They're now in the top 25 that they've won six games in a row, Uh, but they have big wins. You know, they beat LSU, they beat Kansas state. Um, And and so I think that they're going to get the job done. They've been dominant. Their pitching staff's just been unbelievable uh, this year. Yes. I mean, and and so I think, they're going to go to Lubbock and I think they're going to take the series overall in this one. I think it's going to be close. Obviously this is a really, really competitive series, uh, but I think Iowa is going to to showcase their dominance in, in this one. Yeah. It should be a fun one too, but I'm, I'm going to stay. I think the red Raiders will pull through, but we'll see. We shall. Yeah, that should be a good one. And then another series that we've got uh, to wrap up our picks is Louisiana Tech traveling uh, to number eight, Arkansas. I've got Arkansas on this one, Arkansas at home. They're almost unbeatable yeah. going up against Louisiana Tech quality team, but Arkansas just a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Arkansas is the better team. Like you said, uh, home field advantage, especially in Arkansas is huge. Like, I mean, it's just like, Listen, great for Louisiana Tech's a very quality opponent, like you said, but like it's hard to beat guys. It's hard to beat a team like Arkansas when you have to face Hagen Smith on Fridays. Yeah, Arkansas has just got arms. They've got weapons out of the bullpen, even with injuries to their pitching staff. They and then their bats just overall, they're imposing. They really are. Yeah. So, but Louisiana Tech's going to give them a fight. Louisiana Tech's eight and four. They've won three in a row. They're going to come in hot. I know they just played Northwestern, but they were still able to beat the brakes off them. Um, so, I think that Fayetteville's going to have a fun series on their hands. But I think the Fayetteville faithful is going to bring it, and I think Arkansas is going to win that series. Other two series that I'm intrigued to watch. We don't have to make picks on them, uh, but Kentucky with uh, the, uh, mentioning what they've done this year, SEC squad going up against Southern Illinois. I'm intrigued to see if Southern Illinois can take that series because I think that's a fun one. I really do. And then mm-hmm. Bethune-Cookman, South Carolina. South Carolina obviously has been great, but I'm excited to see at least how Bethune-Cookman's pitching does because if if they can at least hang with South Carolina and the way they've swung the bat, that's huge for the swag. Not, even yeah. if they don't take a game, like if their yeah. pitching can have quality outings, 
um, at least the starters, that just shows you that they're not just putting up these numbers for no reason. Yeah, South absolutely. Carolina is probably the ultimate barometer to see that. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And then honestly, like, we have another one on here too. UCLA, Oregon should be a fun one too. That's a good Pac-12 matchup. Absolutely. So those are some good series that um, we're looking forward to this weekend. Obviously, UCLA, Oregon, huge implications, I feel like, uh, for the Pac-12 in that series. And overall, it's just been fun. Fun. UCLA 9-2 and two on the year. And going to Eugene, I think that, I don't know, Oregon really wants that one bad. UCLA's been playing great. So those are some of the series to watch. And obviously, as we kind of tie a bow on week three, get you ready for week four, uh, what better way to do it than uh, hear from one of the best hitters in the country right now? Yeah, absolutely. Adam's series should be a fun one. Should be. Hope you guys stick around for that. And uh, we'll continue to talk to you guys on the Midweek Podcast. But right now, Adam Ciceri of Wake Forest, the Wake Demon Deacons left fielder, uh, joins us on the show right now. Joined by a very special guest, uh, Wake Forest's left fielder, Adam Ciceri. Adam, appreciate you uh, joining us on the pod here today. Individually, we're going to talk a lot about yourself, but also just you and your team so far off to just a torrid start, 13-0 to start the year. The only team in the country with 13 wins right now. Uh, it's been a hot start. Uh, so looking forward to talking about the Demon Deacons and uh, yourself personally here uh, during this podcast. But first of all, uh, thanks very much for taking your time to speak with us here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you guys, all the coverage and having me on. Yeah, dude, of course. I mean, we're always going to cover the good teams and make you guys make it easier on us when you guys keep putting out things that are wor- uh, worthy of posting for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. We do a good media does a good job for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I do like wait for us. Are you guys the analytics? Um, Twitter page is one of my favorite ones by far. Yeah, they put a lot of time into that. It's nice. For sure. I'm, I'll start it off. So, like, first question, kind of analytics-wise, not only are you guys obviously hitting the shit out of the baseball right now, but you're already halfway to your home run total from last year. What did you do in the offseason to help, you know, get more of that power and just overall improve the bat? Uh, So, I, I don't think it was necessarily any, like, technical changes to the swing. I mean, I, I stood up in my stance a little bit uh, because a lot of times – Whenever I was crouched down last year, uh, I would it would lead to some uphill path and, and like a, a lot of top spin instead of like back spin. Uh, but mostly, I, I feel like it's it's getting the pitch that I kind of handle well, um, which is stuff kind of middle of the plate out, um, not stuff that will necessarily lead to top spin to the right side and things of that nature, and then. I kind of stay on everything on the outer half of the play. And whenever it comes in, it's more of a reaction and like a quick uncoil instead of uh, kind of like a muscle up to like get to the ball. Yeah. So nothing too crazy. Uh, just kind of staying with routine and staying in rhythm. Uh, those type of those type of things. Yeah, I get you. Let's let the game come to you, you know. Absolutely. For sure. Speaking of that routine and rhythm, that was kind of stunted for you your freshman year. I mean, just talk about rhythm for from a individual and team perspective. Uh, COVID nineteen uh, stopped the season. Um, the next year, I understand that your season was personally a little bit upended uh, from COVID as well. And then ultimately, you got to a place where you had a good season last year, and you're off to a great start this year. Um, how important was it to have? Uh, that continuity um, from last year headed into now this year where you're having a lot of success at the plate. Yeah, for sure. 
That, and that, that's a good question. And, and it's something that I, I think about a lot, me and, and my roommate, uh, Pierce Bennett, who I'm actually with right now, he went through it with me, the exact same thing. We talk about it all the time. And we just feel like those first two years were kind of robbed from us uh, from a baseball standpoint. You know what I mean? It, like we, we come down and we make the transition from high school to college. And it's a big jump, especially from high school to playing in the ACC on supposed to be uh, an Omaha contending team as a freshman. You know, you're working hard. You're trying to crack the lineup. You're trying to figure out what will work in college. And then we're actually at Coastal Carolina and halfway through the game, uh, they say the season's canceled for the rest of the year. And they, uh, so we drive home, we go home, there's no summer ball. You're kind of just working out by yourself, getting, getting as much as you can done, but you don't, you never get that same level of competition from working out at home as you would playing in the ACC. And, and then we come back the next year and we have a pretty successful fall and things of that nature. But four games into the season, we get, you know, contact trace with COVID. And, and I was, contact tracing was 14 days at the time. And on the 13th day, I tested positive. So I had 14 more days in there. And I, I spent 27 days in isolation in the middle of the season. And then I came out and had to play the next day Jeez. against UNC Charlotte. And, you know, I, I don't like to make excuses at all. And, you know, I don't know if that is an excuse, but it was something that was really tough to go through, especially from a rhythm and timing standpoint. You know, you work really hard to, to be good and be ready for when the season starts, but then you miss a month without seeing one pitch, you know, seeing fly ball, anything really swinging a bat I was in isolation kind of just like eyes closed visualizing that in hand and, and and that was the that was the best we could do but then having last year it, it in a way it almost felt like my freshman year you know it was my first time being a starter being in the everyday lineup with no interruption and I really felt like a college baseball player at that time instead of somebody who was just like you know, I was lost. I was confused. I didn't really get it. I didn't understand why I wasn't having success, but I also felt like I was just being robbed from from having those everyday great experiences as a player. So it's definitely definitely helped me playing all of last year, coming in this year, and being able to get that full uh, preparation of this fall as well as the early spring into this year has has definitely led to more success, no doubt about it. But a tough journey, no doubt, those first two years were really tough. Yeah, absolutely, man. Tough times make tough people, though, at the end of the day. For sure. And and that's also, I think, another reason why, uh, you know, our team might be having some more success is because a lot of those guys went through that and, and you start to take things for granted. And it's like, wow, it could really be taken away from you that quickly. And so I think in the back of our heads, a lot of us that went through that, you know, we understand how how really like prized the position is of being a collegiate athlete. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not time is always limited in any sport you're playing, no matter what, especially at a college level. It's nice to hear people like kind of think that way. Because a lot of guys, I think, unlike you, would still take it for granted no matter what. It's like, oh, 
get the COVID year out of the way, you know, get get the extra year eligibility. I'll I'll be fine no matter what. But it's good to realize that hey, time's short, man. You gotta make the most of it when you can. No doubt, no doubt. Um, to go off that, because like you're talking about how your teammates and yourself obviously went through all that animosity and adversity. Um, who so you clearly have a lot of passion for the game. Who helped um fuel that passion for you as a kid or it could be a teammate as well? A lot of people. I've been blessed in my life to to be around competitors and be around people who really enjoy athletics. Uh, start like obviously starting from my family. My pops played at Pitt uh, back in the day. My mom is a basketball coach. Both my sisters played. One played college basketball. The other one plays college basketball. It's the competitiveness just in the family. And then, you know, whenever you play high level travel baseball, there's people who love to compete there. And then you get to Wake Forest and there's obviously all these guys love the game, man. It's yeah. every, it's every single day. And it's a, it's a, we compete in everything we do, you know, cornhole, hacky sack cards, man, it, it doesn't matter. So I think just having that competitive edge to it, it, it is a big reason why, you know, when the actual game comes and the lights turn on that, like the love for the game really shows. Absolutely. I love that. That fires me up right now, man. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, and you talk about um, the love for the game. And obviously, when you have more success, um, it can be more fun. And I know Wake is having uh, just a lot of success uh, to start this season, uh, particularly. Uh, you mentioned your teammate, uh, Pierce Bennett. I mean, that one of the most uh, out of all the stats um, on your on your guys is uh, web page and following the team, one of the more impressive and I think slept on ones for me is that he didn't even strike out until this past <laughs> weekend. I mean, he, he's gone on 42 at that and he struck out one time. I mean, a competitor at the plate that that's to say the least. And I know uh, somebody that you were able to play with in the summer as well. Um, that's pretty cool uh, to be able to do that with a teammate, um, not just in the spring, but the summer too. For sure. Pierce is right here. In bed, listening, <laughs> listening to what's going on. Um, and so he didn't hear your question, but they were talking about your strikeout, Pierce. Well, not your strikeout, but like, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we were, we were all surprised, and you know, not to brag about it. I didn't think he, I was fairly confident in saying that he was going to strike out zero times the whole year, and I'm not joking. Like, I'm, I'm actually not joking. <laughs> And then everyone was like, no, you probably will. And I was like, well, strike out less than than Jacob Wilson from Grand Canyon for sure. Yeah. I was like, he definitely will. And they're <laughs> like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. So the quick story on that is when I came in as a freshman, uh, Pierce was probably like 170 pounds, like scrawny, kind of just gritty, uh, good bat-to-ball skills. And the freshman fall started, and usually freshmen don't play extremely well in the fall. I wasn't playing too well. I was probably hitting like, I don't know, 230, 240 in the, my freshman fall. Pierce is just hitting 375 and strikes out zero times <laughs> the whole fall. So I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's pretty impressive. But yeah, he hits three, two or three people in front of me sometimes. And, and this might not be a great thing to say, but like if he strikes out, I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. This guy's might be pretty good uh, whenever I'm coming up to the plate, but no, it's always good to have him and him and Tommy at the top kind of battling it out. Uh, 
you know, being scrappy, bat the ball skills, make him defense, make him play for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned all that about like Pierce and Tommy Hawk as well. It's weird that not weird, but it's remarkable that you guys, everyone on that team, you literally go one through nine that all you guys are just balling the hell out right now. Is it not it's obviously recruiting to an extent you guys are obviously talented players for playing starting at Wake Forest, but what do you think separates you guys from the rest? Because even other top teams like a Tennessee have dudes as well, but aren't hitting nearly as well as a one through nine like you guys are. Is it something the coaching, just the approach they preach at Wake Forest, or what is it? Hmm. That that's a good question. And I think that can be individualized to a to a point, if you know what I mean. Just like yeah. basic approach at the plate. Uh, but I think it goes back a little bit to competitiveness. We have a thing kind of where if you strike out the most in the game, your nickname for the rest of the night is Ponchy <laughs> until, the ne- until the next day. So, like, nobody wants to be called Ponchy for the rest of the night. And so we're just – it's not in our head when we're up there batting. Yeah. But it's like, you know, maybe it is a little bit. Like, we yeah. just want to compete – and and then it come also comes down to situational where it's like, you know, I gotta get a hit here, man. We're we're down one in the fifth. There's two men on. Like I gotta get a knock here because we gotta win this baseball game. For that, sure. And and that's when you get out of yourself. And it's super cliche to say when you but when you get out of yourself and like saying like, oh, I need to go three for four to be hitting four hundred, you know. And it goes like, what do I need to do for us to? score a run or for us to have the best chance to score runs you know that's when you take a look at the statistics sheet at the end of the year and you're like wow like that's pretty impressive for sure and i was well i'm gonna jump ahead of you real quick here but you mentioned the competitiveness and stuff it's a little more fun question for you um obviously i think when you guys have the pitchers like you guys do it makes it a lot easier going out of practice to play some of the teams you play against because they just simply don't have the arms that you guys can throw out there so I was wondering, who's a pitcher on the team that has your number? Like, you can't seem to get a hit off him. And then also, what's the opposite of that? Who's the guy you go up there like, oh, I'm going to rake off this guy today. It's going dead center, 350. <laughs> um, this this might sound cra- a little bit crazy, but, like, in scrimmages, like, every pitcher has my number, I feel like. I feel like my <laughs> pitching coach just has my number. Just, like, eats me <laughs> up. Like I'm never, I'm never right when I'm sitting on a pitch. Like it's always the opposite. And and then he's like in all my hands and then he's like fading me away. And I'm just like, man, like he just, he just got it figured out a little bit, but it makes for like battling up pretty good. A yeah. uh, guy who got my number, Brett Louder, obviously. I feel like he has a lot of people's there. numbers there. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he's got a lot of people's numbers. Uh, Cole Rowland throws like the James Karen check breaking ball that goes the other way. So it's like, that was interesting to see. And it didn't yeah. go well the first couple of times, but then the guys, the numbers who I have, you know, as, as a junior senior freshman, who just, of like, of course. you know, freshmen who, who are a little, a little nervous, they can't land their off-speed stuff as much. Yeah. You see that more in the fall than as they grow in the spring. You know, they become a complete pitcher. Uh, so I don't really have a name on somebody where I'm like, I'm definitely hitting a home run. Uh, but there's a lot of guys who are probably, when I come up to the plate, we're, we're like, oh, I got, I got this guy's number because I swear Moose just dials up <laughs> everything <laughs> everything that, that goes against me, I swear. 
it's a good political answer right there. You can't can't give, can't go throwing shade at somebody, you know. No, definitely not. <laughs> well, and I like that Charlie brought up your guys' arms because I have to ask, playing in left field with Rhett Louder on the mound. I mean, he's just been an un- unbelievable. And then you, I'm guessing the fielders might just get bored when Sean yeah, Sullivan's gosh. on the mound. Um, he's just strikes out the entire, your whole starting rotation and really your staff in general is just striking out the world, but a particularly a newcomer on your guys' team, Sean Sullivan, uh, just, he really turned a lot of heads, his first appearance and has been great, uh, starting and it's, you can just get, you talk about calling people punchy. I mean, that's Sean Sullivan has done that, um, at just an incredible clip this year. Yeah, he's. You know, I, I got to face him twice, I think, only. Uh, but he pitches on Saturdays, which are usually at 4 o'clock. And 4 o'clock at the couch, the shadows are creeping. A oh, my bit. God, yeah. They, they creep for sure. So, so it's like, one, he's throwing invisibles, and two, it's in the shadows. So we're just like, this is like, there's just, they have no chance. They have no, no shot. You're and, picking and daisies out there. And then when the sun goes down, they still haven't seen like what it looks like yet. And then they just get blown up even more. You know, I don't know. I'm sitting in left field and I'm just like, punch everyone out, punch everyone out. But when he rides the ball a little bit, outfielders, we do expect some like balls in the air. Yeah. Uh, Whereas like when Josh Hartle's pitching, Josh has pitched like, I think three times now and, Dude, people just hit ground balls every time. Yeah. They, they never hit anything in the air. But I wouldn't say we get bored out there because we do <laughs> a lot of talking between For each sure. other. But, you know, there's certain guys where it's like, oh, you know, the ball will probably be in the air if it's hit. Whereas some guys, it's, you know, more of a ground ball type of For guy. For sure. Yeah. That's that's fair. Though. I mean, so I guess if we're going to call anybody your off day, though, it's hard. If, no, if nothing's coming at you in the, on the fly, especially that didn't feel you guys got too. Yeah. Um, speaking of your teammates, then I just want to know from you, who do you think is someone on your team that's underrated in the eyes of the college baseball world? Underrated in the eyes of the college baseball world. Um, Danny Corona. Yes. Thank you. And Pierce. Pierce. Are two guys who are extremely liked by people on the team and do and produce extremely well for us all the time. And they, I'm not saying they want media praise and or they or anything like that, but, you know, you see some stuff out there about them and it's usually good. But yeah, I would say that they deserve a little bit more respect from, from a media standpoint. You know, they're definitely not like begging for it, but it's just a day-by-day process that they're, they're like really good for us from a, from a hitting standpoint, you know, yeah. I, I'm always thinking, you know, bat hitting and for offensively. Sure. No, for sure. I mean, I agree. We're we both pretty high on both those guys. Will's a big Pierce guy. I'm a big Danny guy. I mean, hell, I didn't even, I didn't even know that Pierce hadn't struck out till uh, this weekend, which is insane to think about. <laughs> that should be something that everyone's yeah. tweeting about. For sure. That, you know, you see a guy who's, who's supposed to be a high, a high draft pick and things like that. And, and if that was the stat, yeah, you would see a lot of it, uh, but you don't. And like I said, they don't ask for it. They don't beg for it. Yeah. You know, it's just just how it goes. And then whenever we're winning baseball games, they're happy and everybody else is happy. For sure. 
And I'm sure that your head coach, Tom Walter, has been pretty happy um, with, with your guys' start. When, when you've ripped off 13 wins in a row and, and you're under a, a great leader like that, um, is the how do you just in the game talk about compartmentalizing what you've done compared to, okay, what we need to do, next pitch, next pitch mentality. But uh, the fact that you guys have played so well to start the year um, as a group, both ends. I mean, you've scored the most runs in the country. You've allowed the fewest runs. Um, but playing under Coach Walter, how does he kind of lead you guys to to focus on the next game and really just focus on continuing uh, what you guys have done? Because I'm sure the mindset, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, long season, you want to be playing your best at the end of the year. Yeah, I would say that Walt is a very present guy. Um, he's a guy who's in the moment all the time. He's thinking what's next on the next pitch or the next pinch hit situation or the next matchup situation. But from a standpoint of like, hey, we play Duke this weekend, you know, he's not necessarily talking to us about that yet because we still have to play Coastal Carolina tomorrow. He's all sure. business. He's all business with every team that we play. And so are the assistant coaches. And, and another thing that they do really well is they don't dwell on the past. And obviously, we we haven't played our best in a couple games this year. And, and Walt will, will gather us together and say, hey, you know, I don't think we played our best baseball today, but tomorrow's a new day. And he's really good at that because the last thing you want to do as a baseball player is be on your way back to the house. And you're like, man, we didn't really play too well today. So he doesn't dwell on the past, but he's not too far in the future. You know, he's all business on that day. And, and that's what we really like about him. That's awesome. So that kind of leads me to my next question, because obviously coaching is definitely a big thing in the recruiting process and when you're trying to figure out where you want to go. So it's kind of a two-parter. So what schools were you really seriously looking at when during your recruiting process? Because, I mean, you were pretty, you were kind of a dog back in, you know, your day and still are. But that <laughs> and then also, <laughs> and then also um, what were the main reasons that brought you to Wake in the end? <laughs> So, so I kind of have a, a cool recruiting story a little bit. Uh, I thought I was going to play football forever, and I thought I was going to play. Yeah, I saw the stats, man. I thought I was going to play quarterback at, like, Ohio State. You couldn't have convinced me otherwise when I was, like, uh, you know, 13, 14 years old. I'm like, there's just no way I yeah. don't. And, <laughs> and then another crazy thing is I got my first baseball scholarship when I was 14 um, by, by a school who never watched me play. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I joined a uh, U.S. elite travel program. And I think there was a video posted of me. And I played for Coach Ferber. You guys know Ferber? You follow Ferber? I don't think so. We'll uh, give him a follow, though. Coach, yeah, you have to give Coach Ferber a follow. He's got, I think he's got 200,000 followers now. He's a great guy, and he's a great ambassador for the game. And he posted something. And the next thing you know, he's texting me. He's like, hey, so-and-so from here wants to give you a call. And I'm like, okay, sure, cool. I'm 14. I'm really nervous. Yeah. I'm, on the, I'm with my dad's right next to me. And they're like, hey, you know, we want to give you a scholarship offer. I was like, you guys haven't seen me. <laughs> you haven't watched me play yet. Yeah. And so I was young. And I started uh, getting a lot, of, a lot of offers when I was 15 years old. And some schools were like, hey, man, we would like a decision soon. Others weren't. Um, 
but I wasn't really ready for that decision yet because I didn't even know if I wanted to play baseball or football. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have a driver's license yet. You know, there were a <laughs> lot of different things that I was worried about than picking where I wanted to go to college. Uh, but Wake was one of the steady schools in it where it was like, hey, man, no rush, no timeline. We're going to come keep watching you play. We want you to come down and visit. And I thought that that was something that was great. You know, they put no pressure on me. They're like, if you feel like this is a fit for you, you we feel like this is a fit for us. And I was like, that's awesome. Then I kind of also looked at some of the guys who were committed to my class. I looked at, I, I think I committed a little after 2017 when they had Gavin Sheets, you know, John Aiello, uh, Ben Brazil, all those guys when they went to Florida and played in the Super Regional. I was like, you know, that that looks like a team I want to play for. That's an exciting, yeah. energetic team. And then I, I met Walt, a couple of the other assistants, and I was like, this place is great. This is this is somewhere that I would really want to play baseball. And I think I – I know I made the right choice. I, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and, and I'm really happy about where I am. But some of the other schools that were – that I kind of talked to a little bit, I talked to TCU a lot. I talked to Virginia Tech a lot. I talked to Virginia. Um, I talked to University of Pittsburgh because it's real close to my house. Yeah. And, and I had some conversations with plenty of schools. I had some conversations with some schools out west, too, um, and some schools even further down south in Florida. But uh, those were the main schools who I was really in contact with. All those schools are kicking themselves now, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Whenever they saw the first two years, they might have been like, oh, we got it right. <laughs> Dodged <laughs> and, the bullet. <laughs> but. No, I don't think about that. Some, yeah. You know, there's great players everywhere. And and as our coach says all the time, the recruiting philosophy, it's all about fit, not necessarily yeah. about the talent, you know. And, and Wake was a place who was – I knew I was a raw player. I was very – I was big, athletic, but I, I didn't really have the baseball skill. And they were like, hey, man, we're committed to, like, making you a better baseball player. And I was like, that's – I'm like – that sounds good to me. Yeah. Let's go there. Wake's definitely the place for that right there, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that was my recruiting story. That's a good one. I like that. 14, that's that's crazy, man. 14 years old. On a, I don't even know what kind of cell phone I had at the time. I think one of those keyboard ones. Like, oh, that was the best, though, the honestly. Samsung, the Samsung Intensity 2 was my first. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it was, was the first time I got a, a scholarship hey. offer. That was my, my, I wasn't getting scholarship offers, but I was texting people on a flip phone for sure. Me too. <laughs> and for Wake Forest in general, I mean, it, it's a program that we really just enjoyed following last season with all the talent and, and obviously this season and really been a pleasure to be able to speak with you about it. But one thing about Wake too that I don't think people know because of, you know, how big you guys can be nationally with athletics is the school that itself isn't all that big. I mean, you know, sub 5,000 people, but unbelievable in terms of the campus. Uh, I mean, a place that I've been able to visit before because my brother used to go to Wake Forest. And I know that that's something that I think is a little bit slept on, just how close knit the the campus and, and just the university itself is, because it, it, although it's small, it feels like a big time university when you're going and playing all these teams in the ACC. 
see what you're about to start ACC play. And I mean, speaking of baseball, it's one of the best conferences out there. I mean, eight ranked teams, the SEC has nine, <laughs> three ACC teams are undefeated out of a, only five undefeated teams in the nation right now. But in general, back to my question, just the campus and wake itself, was that also a draw to you? The wake itself, like the, you know, the, the education and, and what they had to offer with like how prestigious, how prestigious it was, was definitely something that I considered size didn't, didn't necessarily matter to me too much. Um, the campus was beautiful. That obviously was just, you know, it's not something a recruit is always looking at, but whenever you're walking around you're like, this place is real nice. You know, they really take care of it. Everything's new, updated, clean. You know, that that's a place where you can want to spend time too, for sure. But what, what's real nice about Wake, like you mentioned, is is athletes and students and everybody, like, we know each other. You you walk around campus, it's like, hey, what's up? By the name, not really just, like, walking, walking around 40, 30, 40,000 people every day, not really understanding your classmates. Like, you, you sit into a class of, of 18 after that semester, you're, you know, you're going to walk out kind of knowing these people a little bit, you know, enough to have a conversation and enough to establish a relationship that could eventually help you down the path. So that's definitely something that's a, that's a benefit at Wake. Yeah, I can, that's the kind of how ours was too. We went to a school of like a thousand, so we get it to an extent for sure. Yeah. And then speaking of Winston-Salem, because I'm curious, what's the go-to spot to eat off campus? Potters. Poppers? Putters. Oh, like putters. Uh, yep, yeah, like a like the golf. Yeah, and it's it's uh, right on the same road as the football, baseball, and basketball stadiums. It's a great location. Uh, yep, people walk there before football games, after football games, before baseball games, all that stuff. You 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 go in there during a, a wake event and and wakes on. It's a small kind of hole-in-the-wall type-ish place uh, that, that's going to serve you fantastic bar food with a good beverage selection and people who are just down to earth that, that just want to talk about Wake Forest and they want to talk about sports, not to mention they also give spend a lot of time and, and donate a lot of money to, to the athletic department. Yeah. So giving back to those guys whenever they do the right thing, it, it's just awesome. There you go. If you're ever in Winston-Salem, people, go to Putters. Potters for sure. Stop by and say hi to the boys. I and it's this is gonna sound like I'm a 12 year old, but the chicken tenders, man, the Smash. chicken tenders there. That's just what it, <laughs> it's how it goes. Does Pierce agree? Yeah, Pierce. Pierce likes Potters too, but he likes Dominoes too. Uh, <laughs> hey, he you, you can you can't beat the two medium two topping deal. I'm sorry, you can't. Great <laughs> in the loves- pinch. He loves Domino's cinnamon twist. That's why he's hitting home runs this year. <laughs> That's the secret right there. Yeah. <laughs> one thing you said about uh, putters and go there in the fall. Well, one thing that happens a lot of the time in the fall is a lot of leaves fall off trees. And when leaves fall off trees, you have to get the rakes out. And then now it's in the spring and all we talk about wake forest is we call you guys rake forest with uh, your ability to rake. Is that a name that's been a nickname around wake forest for a while? And is that even something that is, how did that even come about rake forest? Or do you even know? I think it came around in 2017, 
that's when I think it started. Uh, uh, but it's it's been around since then, and I love it. Uh, I love when people call us that. I love just like how it comes off a little bit, like a little bit, like really confident, a little arrogant in your face. I love it. I love that. And we wear it on t-shirts. <laughs> They're the best t-shirts ever. I bet. And, and my pops always jokes with me because Billy, our assistant coach showed up to one of my travel ball games scouting me and he had a rake force <laughs> shirt on. And I committed like the week after. And my dad's like, you committed because you like the t-shirt. And I was like, that's not why I committed. But, you know, I, and then as soon as I got to wake, I'm like, I, I need one of those tees. So sure. bad. I need one of those tees. And we rock them all the time. You know, we get them every, every single year and, and we're proud of it. And, and we hope it continues, but we gotta, you know, it's a standard that you gotta hold. You can't For be, sure. you gotta be at the top of, of categories and doing your job if you want to be called rake forest absolutely gotta live up to the name i, dude, I hope you get you guys need to start selling those in the school store or something i feel like i would i'd buy one for sure i don't know I, like the changing of the name for the university I, yeah you know i don't know how much yeah i don't know all that all the logistics oh, no. of that I was, no for sure so, but it's <laughs> would definitely be a cool t-shirt oh, I, I, bet people, I bet people would buy it oh they'd sell out for sure there's no doubt in my mind yeah. um yeah. Going back to you as a player, though, what is just – I like asking players this when we have them on. I've asked, like, Zach Neto this before, too. Just what do you think is, like, one thing that you would like to see you improve in your game within, like, the next year or so? Like, where do you think you can grow the most? Uh, I swing and miss too much. Yeah. that's And it's, like, for whatever reason, sometimes – you know, I just swing and miss too much. I would love to cut down, and I would love to be more like Tommy and Pierce where – Whenever I have two strikes, I could still move the baseball all the time. Uh, I've gotten better at it year after year. I feel really good about it this year. Uh, but I, that would be something that I would love to to do less of, you know, because it sucks whenever you swing and miss at a pitch that you feel like you could hit. And you're like, oh, sure. I don't know. Or, and by swing and miss, you know, I, I do mean like the complete swing and miss, but even the foul ball where you're just like a tick early or a tick late. Yeah. And you're just like, hmm. I wish I could yeah. just re you you fall asleep that night and that pitch just runs right down the middle every time. Yeah. For eight hours straight. Like, yeah. Damn, that was the one. That could have gone one. straight out of right field. I would love I would love to improve that side of my game and I work at it. I work at it most days and it's something I don't like to think about in the game, but it's yeah. definitely something that I work on uh, in competitive live at bats or, you know, machine work or to strike batting practice, things of that nature. For sure, man. For you being uh, somebody who was the captain of the team, what type of uh, leadership roles do you do you have within the team? Um, and, and how do you, what responsibility do you feel uh, to have the whole team on the same page? Really? I mean, in the game of baseball, I'd love to hear your thought on this. Just leadership is, is so instrumental because the, while it's an individual game, you know, you're battling against somebody up there, uh, the synergy to have everybody on the same page at once. Um, I don't think it's something that can be speaking about spoken about enough um, a lot of the time. So, so how do you lead as a player and as an upperclassman on this team, um, been, been through the gauntlet. And like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, been through adversity in your career as well. Yeah. I, you know, I was named captain. I don't, 
think of it as any responsibility. I think of it as like, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys a lot and I appreciate that you guys, you know, respect what I have to say, but I, I value the same thing in every single one of you, you know, whenever people talk, we all, I mean, yeah, whenever people talk in the clubhouse, we all listen. Whenever people give advice in player meetings or call a player meeting, everybody listens to one another. I think my leadership style is more of a hard, like a hardworking lead by example type of style. And I think that whenever you play the game the right way and, and you give the game the respect that it deserves and you play well, uh, people watch and, and they're like, you know, he, you know, I, we play hard. The game rewards people who work hard and, and do the right things. And I, I think some of my teammates, well, I don't know because I don't ask them, but I think sometimes they watch me play and and, and they're like, you know, he plays the game really hard. And, and I think we sh the game deserves that respect as well. So I'm going to play really hard as well. That's and a good I, answer, though. Yeah, I don't. Sorry to interrupt you, my bad. It's not. It's all good. It, I don't feel any type of responsibility. We don't even name captains necessarily until like midway or later through the year, and and captain has nothing to do with performance. And we don't look like I said. I don't think the guys look up at me like I'm a figure that's above the team. And as a captain, I don't look down on people who are who are not named captain everybody's a leader on the team in their own different way. But sometimes when the media asks questions, I just have to answer because I have the title of captain. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, when you just try to try to treat the game the right way and, and everybody kind of follows along with that. But the big, sorry to keep going, but the no, biggest no. part of it is uh, it, it can't be, it can't be just like conditional. It can't be like, okay, I'm playing really well today. So now I'm going to have a lot of energy and I'm going to cheer my guys on and I'm going to yell and scream. And then, oh, you know, we're playing on a Sunday at one. I'm one for the weekend. I just punched out twice. So now I'm going to sit on the bench and chew sunflower seeds. You know, that's that's the type of leader that's to toxic. That's the type of player that that is going to bring people down instead of keep people on that same energy level that they always need to be. Yeah, 100% agree because being a leader is really a 24-7 kind of job, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Off the, in, in college, too, as you guys know, you know, that, that comes with off-the-field stuff as well. You know, everything's in moderation. You have to understand who you're representing from a team standpoint and from yeah. a personal standpoint. So we just hold each other all accountable, and we listen to what we all have to say and take Absolutely. it into consideration. Yeah, I like that because I mean, I also I do think, and clearly, it's you don't have this issue. But like, I've seen some dudes just even in high school too, where like they get named captain, they just think you know their shit don't stink, and they're just walking around thinking they are above the team, and it's like, all right, calm down, buddy. Like it's not that it's not that deep. It's we're a team here at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not that deep. You know, baseball's a, it's it's individual from the standpoint of like matchups, and and it's me versus the pitcher, or the pitcher versus me. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to string stuff together to win games, and, and that's going to come from the team. For sure, man. Um, I don't have any like serious questions for you left, so I'm just going to ask some just like fun ones. But uh, sure. what uh, who would you let choose your walk-up song of your teammates if they had to for a whole series? Who you trust? Tommy. Put some Tommy. 
Tommy Hawk would give me a fire walk up song. Tommy sure. Hawk, I like that. I didn't think you were gonna pick him. I like that. Tommy Hawk with the ox. I see. All right. Me and Tom, Tommy, me, Tommy, and Pierce live together, and Pierce hates our ox, but we we are bumping the good stuff what all you, the time. What, what's the good <laughs> stuff for you guys? It it honestly depends on the day. Um, he was he's really been feeling. I think his walk up this year's lifestyle. Yes, that is. That's dude. I love that song. It's I, the best. I played it. I played it one time for him in the fall, and I was like, "Dude, you got to walk out to this." And he's like, "He's like, yeah, I definitely got to walk out <laughs> to that." And and we just we just have the vibe of music going back and forth with for one sure. another. Some days it's like reggae, you know, and then here and there we'll just put on some like trap rap and just let it eat love as it. loud as we can while. While Pierce is trying to sleep, you know, <laughs> I would definitely let Tommy. He would give me sure. some good stuff. And then my last pick would be Pierce because Pierce? he would pick like EDM or like Morgan Wallen. And I'll just be like, I would be baffled walking to the plate just going about for sure. Maybe maybe an EDM Morgan Wallen mashup to really get get, get in your head, you know? Yeah, something. Something That's- like uh, something. It would be something like a Saturday pre-football game tailgate. Next day, next or something. Something <laughs> terrible. For sure. Well, Chucky, I know that you were going to go with something about food, I think. Oh, I do. Yeah. Um, actually, I have two other questions. I've actually, I'll, Will, are you done with yours? I can just run through mine to finish it up because we've been, I mean, it's what's 10 45 your time, right? Um, Adam, I, it's, I got time. I, I like oh. answering questions. That fantastic. Well, I got plenty for you then, man. Um, who is your simple one? Just who was your favorite player growing up? Bryce Harper. It's fair. Bryce is sweet, man. Bryce is swaggy. Swaggy in your face, like at it all the time. It's the white boy swag. And then I was looking through your Instagram because I had to get, you know, see what you were kind of like to ask you some questions. It seems like you're a big UFC fan. Is that correct? Yeah, Yeah. I like UFC. All right. Do you, if it ever happens, who do you think would win, Francis Ngannou or John Bones Jones? John Bones Jones in the first Uh, round. In the first round? Okay. He I would like do that. exactly what he did to Cyril Gaon. Oh, he killed him, and that was crazy. That was two minutes. I, I like, oh, my he God. walked in. Me and Lucas Costello watch. You know, we buy almost every every PPV that we can, and and we watch. And he walked into the octagon, and we were like, "This guy's fat. Like he's gonna lose." Yeah, he's he looked lose. fat. I was like, because <laughs> the whole the whole day we were like, "Man, he's just gonna kill him." I'm like, "He's he's got no chance." Then he took his he took his shirt off, and I was like. I was like, he's bad. He's gonna lose. <laughs> the next thing you know, he just like tapped in a minute, and I, we didn't even see the sub really. Like he was kind of around the jaw. Yeah. And they, they had it at a bad angle on TV, and, and then he just tapped, and we were like, oh my gosh. But it's John Bones. Yeah, I think I think that John Bones would win for sure. That's fair. I think I'd probably I don't know go if he'll ever lose. Um, I I, I, oh, uh, I can't think anybody. Sure. He, let me look it up. There's a, the number three heavyweight contender right now is really good. He's nice with it. So, because my favorite, beat, my favorite guy uh, is Izzy Adesanya, without a doubt. Yeah, Israel is is one of my favorites too. And Lucas really likes uh, Pereira. Pereira, and, but Izzy was winning that fight until the fifth. Yeah, and then he just kind of got caught. Sergi Pavlovich. Pavlovich. You have to look him up. After we're done with this, he knocked out Tai Tuivasa in like a minute and eighteen seconds. Jeez. And good lord, like he he reminds me of like Ivan Drago. Oh my god, 
he looks like he's yeah. a Russian's arms dealer. Yeah, he. And then if you watch his fight versus Tuivasa, he just like cleans him. And Tuivasa is a good fighter. Yeah, that's. How yeah, did was, you not like UFC? Did I post something about it? I do. I do this with all the players. <laughs> I just scroll through who you guys follow. And if I guess he could okay, he, like certainly he might. I know it's a little weird, but he was certainly he must deep. like that guy. No, I, I, that you're exactly right. I watch that stuff all the time. I love it too. All right, dude, I got another oh. big, J, big J question for you then too. I saw you follow Duncan Trussell, and it's just throwing a hail mary here. Did you watch the Did you watch Midnight Gospel on Netflix? No, I watched the Rogan podcast. That's fair. The one of six hours where they were just like on every drug. Yeah, with the spaceman like, suits. They were just spewing just crazy information, and I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna follow this guy to see if. He puts out any interesting information. Yeah, and you should you should listen to Midnight Gospel. It's weird. I'm mean, like it's it's out there. It's trippy, but like definitely worthwhile. It's like eight episodes. It's an easy watch. Yeah, he's he seems. I don't know much of about Duncan Chessel. Yeah, but I'm a big Rogan guy, and he's been on there a lot. Yeah, I think like three or four times, and I think I've listened to almost all of. Of Rogan, I have to watch that. That's 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 yeah, because essentially, this I'm I'm not gonna t- well, take too much yeah. time about it. Essentially, it's like the, he had like some podcast, I forgot what it was actually called, it might just be called The Midnight Gospel, but it's like eight different episodes. He talks to different people. Like the last one that his mom who has like stage four cancer, that's a really cool one. But that he, go, he goes back and he has animators animate the whole thing. Doesn't it's just it's really cool to visually watch. It's got interesting topics. And then my last question for you, man, I ask everybody this, and it does matter what you answer to it. And that is, what is your favorite Pop-Tart? Uh, I like brown sugar, brown sugar cinnamon in a toaster. Then you pull it out and you flip it upside down and put butter on the back. And then oh, wow. Oh, I see that. Yeah. that that's the rare, the rare butter answer. I respected that. That's, that, a, that's professional through and through right there. Yeah. Uh, somebody told, somebody right. told me that when I was 12 years old. And, <laughs> I probably haven't tart since I was like fourteen because oh, yeah, they're terrible for you. The cardboard box is probably healthier than the pop tart itself. <laughs> Extremely one hundred percent. So like, I, I don't eat I don't eat pop tarts too much, but I can't go wrong with brown cinnamon, brown whatever it is, brown sugar cinnamon. Yeah, brown sugar cinnamon. I think yeah, what yeah. That's, that's it. just the classic. That's good stuff. Um, The final question I had, Adam, is I know that we've talked a lot about yourself and about your team, and you guys get ready to play ACC action starting uh, this weekend. I know you got a midweek tomorrow, but going into conference play, how excited are you to just showcase Wake Forest? I know you've showcased it to uh, the rest of the country, but to really showcase Wake Forest uh, in what is a really dominant conference, uh, just to close out the podcast with some, some comments about that. Yeah, we're we're excited. You know, we love playing with one another, and, and we love love winning baseball games. Uh, we you know we understand that that we've got a super high ranking right now, and that everybody's going to give us their best shot. But then at the end of the day, it's the ACC, and everybody plays each other as hard as they can every single day. It's a dog eat dog conference, so we can have, you know, we 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 feel pretty confident that we have the best pitcher in America that throws every Friday, in, in like he could lose games and, yeah. and that's just how the conference is. You know, it's, it's an extremely tough 
conference and we don't see ourselves, it's just like, hey, you know, we're going to just breeze right through this conference. You know, we're going to go into Duke on Friday and we're going to have to battle. You know, they got Jonathan Santucci on Friday night and he's really good. Yes. And, and, and they're, they're a good team and they got Coach Ty Blankmeyer from us who's their assistant coach now, and he's an unbelievable coach. He, You know, he changes the way kids look at the game, and they're going to be playing extremely hard, and, and they're going to want to beat us, and we're going to want to beat them. And all the other matchups across the across the conference are going to be the exact same. You never really know. You know, Virginia Tech lost their first three ACC games last year to a Georgia Tech team and then won every series after yeah. that. So yeah. you never quite know, and that's why I say it's, it's like a long season and it's a process, and you got to be ready on Friday night as much as you are on on Sunday mornings or, or even on Tuesdays at 6 because you're getting everybody's best bullets. And, and if they want to beat number five, like, you know, they're going to give you a shot, and we're going to have to be ready. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Well, that's the right mentality to have. Anybody can lose it any given day. Oh, it would be. I would love to sit here and say, "Yeah, we could, we're going to go fifty-six and zero," but you know, it's going to be a it's going to be about every day. Yeah, be cool as hell if you guys did though. Give us plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it'd be sick. It'd be sick for sure. <laughs> I would love to. On the day we the day if we, if we lose a game, we'll, I'm going to be I'll be so mad, no doubt. <laughs> I'll feel bad for whoever you guys play next after that because, I mean, they're going to get everything you guys have going for them. Those those ERAs are going to go up by two points, I think. Yeah, you never know. You never know. So we'll see how it goes. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thank, we appreciate you being on, man. You guys yeah. were great. Great too, question, man. for sure. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it very much. And uh, that was the Midweek Podcast, y'all. And, Adam, thanks again so much. Are you working? What kind of work do you do?